You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. Cool today here in TW11, but relatively bright. The Chester May Festival continues, and it might just be that we've already seen the best because even in the slop yesterday, there were two performances of real note with classics around the corner. Save the Last Dance won the Cheshire Oaks by 22 lengths. And then about a half hour later, a rest continued the fine run of Judmont and Frankie Dettori, the classic winning partnership from the weekend, by taking the Chester Vars for John and Thady Gosden. You'll be hearing from Frankie Dettori in a moment. You'll also be hearing... From Charlie Johnston, who might have two runners in the Derby and one in the Dante next week, plus the breeder of arrest, Des Layden. But Lydia Hislop joins me first of all. Is there is there a possibility, Lydia, that we saw the Oaks and the Derby winner in desperate conditions scooching round Chester yesterday? There's definitely a possibility. They were both impressive winners, weren't they? They're going to be encountering very different conditions you would assume at Epsom though with our weather in Britain being as it is at the moment you know there there always seems to be the threat of a, a very heavy and sustained downpour and maybe it might happen again it says it's happened before uh, just ahead of Epsom but I mean it was ground that uh, would have disadvantaged a number of their rivals and you know it was wasn't it 22 lengths that saved the last dance won by which you know does suggest that she was running against horses that were either vastly inferior and or didn't handle conditions but nonetheless she was impressive she was very impressive uh, francesca kumani reported on itv that she thought she might be in season beforehand and she raced a bit um lazily reluctantly Definitely. in the first in the first in the, 100 yards or so stages. Yeah, mm. absolutely. In the early stages, was that it, it? It could be that it could be greenness. I mean, it was only her third career start, and Chester, you know, always on the turn is quite a demanding track. So, you know, there 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 are reasons to think or excuses uh, for the early stages. But she got into the race quite easily, and obviously, she settled the race in a very dominant way. And afterwards, Paul Smith, who was representing. Um, you know, Ballydoyle and, and Coolmore was suggesting that she'd be better on better ground. A bit, you know, this was you know extreme ground it was heavy ground time form would call it call it heavy um so she was able to handle it it's never going to be the other extreme at epsom though is it because it's a downhill track andrew cooper the clerk of the course there makes sure that the ground is never fast but it could be well it it, it would be reasonable to think it could be quite a bit quicker than she faced in, in at chester that was an eighth um record-breaking eighth mm. winning race for aiden o'brien yeah, Ryan Moore's ridden a lot of those winners. He did say she gave me as good a feel as anything I've ever ridden in this race before, which got everybody very excited. And then I had a little spin through the previous Ryan Moore winners. Now, wonder of wonders, she finished second in an Oaks, didn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so that's not a bad standard bearer. Diamonds and Rubies, she was pretty good. She was all right, wasn't she, Diamond, Diamonds and Diamonds Listen, and Rubies? She's got her own Wikipedia entry, so... <laughs> I wondered whether you were on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> she's got her own Wikipedia you entry. busted yourself there. She won the, <laughs> she won the Group 1 Pretty Polly Stakes. So, <laughs> so she's a Group 1 winner. We've got yes. an Oaks place to Group 1 winner. Somehow, no, uh, Magic Wand, multiple Group and Grade 1 placed all around the world. Yeah, get on yeah. the plane every every week, Job. 
And last year's winner, Thoughts of June, who's not done uh, terribly much. But Save the Last Dance. The other point to note, the time, 2.36.64, was actually a really good time for yesterday. But it's yes. fully five seconds slower than last year, which already was the slowest time for 10 years prior to that. So it is the slowest time in living record. So it's the, the softest ground in, in living memory for, for the Chester Chester um, first day of the, the, the Chester May meeting. Yes. So, I mean, it does, it, that does raise questions for um, not so much necessarily her. Maybe she is, she is adaptable, but as I said, there will, she will be facing conditions where other horses aren't disadvantaged and the Oaks obviously, we hope, well, it will be deeper. Yeah, uh, and let's hope she doesn't do what her damn daddy's little darling did before the Oaks when she bolted to the start. I mean, being brought over from America by Kenny McPeak and Olivier Pellier had to bail out in a thunderstorm. Do you remember that? Um, I do, um, but I mean, obviously we're fearing that there could be a febrile atmosphere pre-Derby with Animal Rising, having said that they're going to be targeting it. Well, so, And the Derby itself is always, uh, you know, the, the, the Epsom over the two days is always a test of the of the racehorse's temperament. Yeah, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm expecting a febrile atmosphere at just about any major fixture at the moment. And given that the Animal Rising were at Doncaster on a quiet evening meeting the other day, that Oaks in 2017 was won by Enable in the Judmont Farm Silks for Frankie Dottori and John Gosden, that exact team were at it again yesterday with a, a horse called Arrest who won the chest of ours it was a similar a deal really it was a very easy win but what did he really achieve I tried to to drill down and and spoke to Frankie Dottori this morning and this is what he said to me and it's not bad um I uh, he's done very well from two to three he's really filled up uh, I, I mean the race was a non-event really everybody was dead free out but uh, he couldn't have done uh, them winning you know, in, in, in good fashion. So um, he, he likes, he stays well and he likes uh, a bit of rain. Uh, you know, last year the derby was on soft, so you never know. He, he's, he'll, he's definitely in the picture at the moment, ground permitting, and we'll see. You know, obviously, so a few trials to go and uh, it'll be, we'll, we'll have a clearer picture by, by 10 days' time. I know it wasn't exactly difficult for you to win the race. He was he was easily the best. And as you said, the others weren't exactly doing much. But was the challenge just to try and look after him as much as you possibly could and not, not sort of knock the bottom out of him? Yeah, I mean, the, the challenge is, um, you know, to, to, to get in round Chester was not easy task for a big horse. To uh, have a nice, smooth race. Uh, you know, it's a quite uh, big ask to run a mile and a half on every ground you first start. So uh, to try to, 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 get, to get a, a good work into him, but without really asking for everything because the big one is in three weeks' time. So I think he, he, he passed through with flying colours. Would you be surprised if he wasn't your, your derby horse? Have you got, you've not got anything else waiting in the wings, lining up to, to possibly be, be, be challenging? I would, like I said, we're no better in 10 days' time. Uh, but you know, at, at the moment, you 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 know he's 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 done nothing wrong, and he won in good style. His form as a Tweedle is not bad. So uh, yeah, I mean, he's. I think the, the biggest challenge for him if he becomes good to firm, uh, running down hills with such a big unit, he might find that a bit uncomfortable. But I can't predict the weather, and uh, but you know we'll keep the dream alive. Okay, have you got have you got one for the Dante next week? Yeah, Epistatus won the Blue River. Okay, and John's saying he might be more of a French Derby horse. Is that the feeling he gives you? 
he's got a lot, yeah, he's got a lot more speed than a rest. Yeah, so that uh, you know, but we'll again we'll know a lot more after the Dante. All righty, and you're off to New York to ride in the Man of War. That the the journey continues. Uh, uh, looks like you're you're fired up for it at the moment. Anyway. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I love an airport. I love a plane. I love to, to ride in different places. You know, I mean, it keeps me young. So I'm just about to leave today, right? Saturday, be back here next week for York. Then I've got the Italian Derby and then, you know, the Irish Guineas. I mean, there's so much going on at the moment. It's crazy. Oh. And we know we know you need you need the July Cup to get the full set of domestic group ones. You managed to win your Italian Guineas, which I know yeah. gave you a lot of pleasure. Are there any other little surprise surprise ones that we, we weren't sure about that you, you you're sort of itching to tick off well I mean, the, the main one but for me here i mean the july cup with the cruise yeah. without, without saying um possibly i'm gonna make a trip to belmont but i haven't got a ride to the belmont uh stakes at the moment but that's a possibility there's a lot of good races that day so i'll probably go back there um yeah, look, I'm trying to not overface myself by thinking too far ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to take a week at a time. That way I can focus a bit better. Right, the system is working at the moment, you may have noticed. <laughs> what is the one? Flying around like a yo-yo? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I love it. You know, some people hate it, I love it. I love an airport, I love a plane, I love, you know, this... It's, you know, it's, I feel very comfortable doing that. You know. Okay. Well, that makes two of us. I just haven't got to ride horses out the other end. Um. Good luck. Good luck for the next couple of weeks. Thank you, Nick. Bye. Cheers. Frankie Tory there, and as Lydia's just reminded me, and Abel won the Cheshire Oaks herself back in 2017. Uh, how, on his enthusiasm level, how did you rate it? Um. I thought it was. I mean, I, I think he's open to open to better offers. Essentially. I mean, the the thing I took out of it for what he said was the thing that I took out from watching the race as well, and that is his knee action. And clearly, uh, Frank Vittori is of the view that this horse is very much suited by cutting the ground. And although he talked about going downhill, the horse being a big unit at Epsom, um, and obviously it won't be good to firm, but it could be the kind of, of ground that might compromise him in those circumstances. Uh, he's He's got a bit of knee action. John Gosden also mentioned about if Epsom was on the faster side, he probably wouldn't enjoy it as much. But at the same time, he was also talking about putting him in the arc yesterday, and he was already saying that this is the kind of horse who has scope to stay in, in training and get better at four or five so um <laughs> in it for the long term with with the rest but yeah i mean it was a it was a dominant a dominant um win um adelaide river six and a half lengths further back for aiden o'brien and and ryan moore he's obviously got that group one form um over in france from, from last season and he is a player i mean he's he he stays um uh, he's got a likable attitude he, he did drift out a little bit to his right so he's going to have to be a little bit more street smart for Epsom I think but that wasn't uh, an inconvenience at Chester yesterday probably looking for a bit fresher ground uh, imagine what it feels like to have bred this horse again a bit like Caldean the other day Judmon didn't breed this one although he's by Frankel but they managed to hoover him up and they did so uh, from Des Layden who who bred him uh, and he's a regular correspondent to this to this uh, podcast mainly for his his international veterinary exploits but also as a as a very successful breeder um and this is is how he felt when i grabbed a word with him earlier today 
Uh, I've never felt more excited in my lifetime. And for myself and Marianne, it's just the most wonderful experience to have bred such a beautiful animal with such a wonderful temperament. Uh, he's typical of his dam. She's sweet and all of her progeny give you everything. So it's, uh, it's the sort of thing, Nick, that has put a smile on my face since he ran in Paris in October that's lasted all the way through to May that nobody who's attempted to upset me has succeeded in erasing that's the most that is the most wonderful testimony and uh, and the most great advertisement for for thoroughbred breeding i was having a dig through the pedigree des and and i'd noticed that this mare had done incredibly well with a whole variety of of interesting stallions was there a point you just thought she's she's doing so well effectively effectively upgrading the stallions that she's going to that she deserves she deserves a frankel Yes, it was Marianne's inspired moment who said, let's go to Frankel. And I said, wow. And uh, I'm very glad to acknowledge uh, with the mention of Frankel, what wonderful um, uh, collaborators, partners, supporters uh, Judmont are and have been consistently. They bought this horse from us. They bought uh, the Wooten Bassett, who followed on from him, who's a lovely colt, and we hope to see in the next week or two here at Ferenstad in Ireland. Um, uh, we have a Dark Angel, and Judmont allowed us to go with the mare to Kingman. Uh, she's been scanned in full to uh, Kingman and she's just about to come home from Newmarket and we just can't wait to have her back with us. It's a wonderful story the Derby Dream is well and truly alive uh, Des thanks so much for talking to me Nick my pleasure God bless. There's a happy man Lydia Oh what a lovely what a, what a lovely lovely interview that was and, and how to to sum up happiness I don't think anyone will ever put that better that was great well, I did get a bit depressed at the end of yesterday's episode. We've been talking about all the the American stuff, and I'm sure sure we're going to talk about some some slightly less cheery stuff a little bit later in this podcast. And I thought, hurrah, somebody who can still revel in the unbridled joy that uh, breeding and racing top level racehorses can give you. Absolutely, I mean that that is what it's about, and you know, and watching them as well for those of us who you know aren't aren't, aren't lucky enough to be able to to breed and, and race them. You know, watching them is is part of the joy, and we do need to remember that 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 is what it's about. And and thanks to Des for reminding us. Absolutely, um, Charlie Johnston, first full year with his sole name on the license. It's not impossible he could end up with a couple of horses in the derby more of the second one in a bit but i wanted to turn your attention to him because dubai mile is the horse that beat a rest in the group one two-year-old race at saint cloud last back end and his form's working out a treat and he also finished a really really good fifth running hard through the line in the 2000 guineas so uh, i put a call in to charlie this morning because john gosden yesterday suggested that dubai mile ought to be right up there in the derby betting and i asked him if he agreed you can see the logic, can't you? Um, we ran a a very good trial in the Guineas. You know, I think uh, we went there quite openly saying that if the horse finished in the first six and hit the line strong, we would be very happy and that would be a good trial for Epsom. He did exactly that. And then, you know, rest franked his form from last year yesterday. So we couldn't be happier with how the last week's gone for our horse, that's for sure. Uh, and how did he emerge on, on sort of Sunday and Monday? How was he in himself? 
good. Um, he didn't actually lose a huge amount of weight for for the run, which I was slightly surprised by. You would assume that uh, a tough run in a classic course would lose quite a lot of weight, but um, he only lost six kilos for it. And he's just having an easy week walking and trotting, but he's he's come out of the race very well and couldn't be happy with him. When people talk about horses coming on for a run, and particularly when it's classics and high-class horses, you're not going to send a horse to a guineas, even if you think they're going to improve. You're not going to send them there anything less than, than pretty fit, are you? No, no, for sure. And um, you know, we'd obviously taken the horse to the Craven meeting for a race course gallop, and he'd done plenty at home. So you know, all our thoughts about the horse improving for the run were purely based on that the conditions we were going to set him in in the future would be would be more accustomed to him in terms of trip and things rather than that he was going to improve fitness wise um you know albeit we were going there to the guineas in, in some regards as a trial we were still going there fully tuned up to run as well as we possibly could and you know, i think we did exactly that and the orthodoxy is that this is a, a horse that's guaranteed to get the trip at, at Epsom. Yeah, he's a winner over a trip as a two-year-old. He's hit the line really hard in the guineas. He's kept going. He's out of a mare who's by high chaparral. Is it as straightforward as that? Is he Is he definitely a mile-and-a-half-plus horse? There have been no doubts in, in my mind at any point uh, from the Royal Lodge onwards, really, last year that that's the, that's the direction this horse would be going in. And... You know the way the way him and Arrest slugged it out in very difficult conditions over a mile and a quarter as as two year olds. Uh, I'd be very confident that the the trip will be of, of no issue to him come come Derby Day. We know the ground is normally quite nice at, at Epsom, and it never gets super quick. He's got a uh, a win in a novice at Windsor on on good to firm. Is is ground important to him? Do you think or not? I don't think so. Uh, you know, when you have a horse that you know will handle testing conditions, it's often often a ground that uh, can can inconvenience others. So there might be a benefit to that. Although you know, Arrest has obviously shown yesterday that he can handle very testing ground um, himself. But it's a nice position to be in that I would be very relaxed in terms of what. Uh, what the ground turns up like on the day. I think this horse will will handle any ground and touch wood mentally. He's a very, very laid-back horse and if there was any horse in the yard, I would be confident about handling the occasion of Epsom and, and what that might bring in any year, but particularly this year, uh, I'd be, be very happy with, with him on my side. No, it won't have escaped your notice because nothing escapes your notice that Danny Musket might have might end up on on two two fancies for for the derby if, if Canberra legend passes his test in the in the Dante. Have you have you thought beyond that yet or not? I did I did jokingly say to, to Danny as we left uh, sort of had a debrief at Newmarket on Sunday that uh, we'd be watching York uh, York closely. But um, I think my uh, my best approach with that is just to try and beat Canberra legend with dear my friend myself, and that might uh, solve two problems at once for me. Any chance of doing that? I think a, a very good chance. Um, his his run in the Burden was a very impressive one. I thought he travelled through that race like a very good horse, um, albeit flight plan was a little bit disappointing. Galleron came out and ran very well in the Guineas, so I think the, the form is strong. I think he will improve for stepping up to a mile and a quarter, and you know, we couldn't have been happier with him in between the two races, so uh, I think he goes there as a 
uh, with a lively chance. And, and are he um, and Dubai Mile completely different, or or do they have any similarities? Uh, they're pretty different in in many respects. Uh, dear my friend is an absolutely huge horse. He would be probably a full hand bigger and um, probably. 30 to 40 kilos heavier uh, but actually of the two I would feel more confident about Dubai Miles stamina than, than dear my friends uh, he's by Pivotal and the way he travelled through uh, you know, a good contest over a mile in, in April there it gives me confidence that he'll stay a mile and a quarter the jury's still out about a mile and a half but we'll, we'll learn more at York next week Charlie Johnston there with lots to look forward to, Lydia, and a distinctly firm hand on the tiller. Very much so. Uh, can we just also doff our cap to the classic John Gosden play of citing somebody else's horse as the as the pole position horse? Um, you know, that classic, classic move. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dubai, Dubai Mile ran excellently went fifth in the in the 2000 guineas once the rain started falling to that degree you knew that it was going to disadvantage a number of the speed horses which it duly did some others underperformed such as august rodin um but dubai mile is re- a reliable horse who steadily improved with each start last season topping it off with that win in the criterium de saint clue um that group one over 10 fellows the, re- the race in which he beat the rest by a head and he was going to be suited by the 2000 guineas becoming more of a stamina test as charlie mentioned he'd had a gallop uh during the craven meeting he handled Newmarket fine he'd shown that in the royal lodge as well um and yeah so you, you can see why particularly coming from the johnston stable stepping up to a mile and a half you think that would suit him his pedigree i mean i think you hinted at it when talking to charlie it doesn't necessarily say a mile, a mile and a half somewhere as salmon as sapping as Epsom, but he's trained by Charlie Johnston. He is actually. I was having a bit of, I was doing a bit of proper pedigree geekery on this yesterday, and I, dig, digging all the way back because I was having having a look at the D stakes today. There's a horse running called, <laughs> charmingly called Blow Your Wad. That you, <laughs> you might be familiar with. He runs in the D today, and I think they share the same like fifth dam or something I, oh, really? it, yeah it is something like that he and dubai mile um it's uh it, it's 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 the same pedigree going back uh you mentioned the john gosden um point he, he not only tried to big up hadrianus one of charlie's horses before the chest of ours but also was bigging up uh, dubai mile for the for the derby do talking positively about other people's credentials so thereby deflecting in, um interest in in your own that's exactly. known as the fa- that's known as the fallon principle isn't it it is <laughs> do you remember when kieran fallon used to do this routinely before every season where he would run away with the jockeys championship yeah <laughs> it's a, it's a, there's a there's a number of people who 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 use the fallon method um at the moment i'd say the person who's way out in front is john gosden but I mean, Jimmy Fortune's still waiting to be champion jockey on the Fallon, <laughs> on the Fallon principle. Poor old Jimmy Fortune. Kieran Fallon every year would say, "I think my main danger is probably Jimmy Fortune," <laughs> and and everyone would go oh, rush off and back Jimmy Fortune to be champion jockey. And it never, it was never really on, was it? No, and sadly not. Sadly not. Uh, right. Uh, we ought to just quickly nod to the next set of trials, which are going to be run at Lingfield, but on the all weather. We don't know what's going to run because you have to re-enter by today um that'll change the character of the of the lingfield trials but it's been used successfully before I, and they've got to haven't they i mean it'd be a quagmire otherwise 
I think so. Uh, I think it's it, it's the it's the sensible move, uh, and you know it, it will change the character of the race, but it will enable people who are um, aiming their horses um, at the Derby or other significant races beyond the the Lingfield Derby trial itself to be able to have that useful stepping stone. So yeah, absolutely, it, it, it was the right call. Um, just before we move on, I want to touch on a couple of comments made by um, Chester's chief executive Louise Stewart yesterday. Um, she expressed her reservations about the plans to restructure the sport in favour of the premier fixtures, particularly the weekends, and worried about the impact that might have on Chester, who race a lot of Saturdays at the moment, where, Lydia, in terms of prestige and TV coverage, they're sitting at about, quite often, at number three or number four on a mm. Saturday afternoon. So i take the point that chester is uh very much a, a saturday track it's right on the edge of town it you know it attracts a, a a good crowd and and they like to go racing at the weekend it works but um you've got to, the the theory here is that the strategy will bring about uh betterment for the greater good at the moment we're drifting along the sport of british horse racing is drifting along with no strategy whatsoever no collective coherent way forward and that cannot continue and i know that individual businesses are probably looking at their balance and sheet and thinking well we're all right jack but the sport is not all right the sport is not all right it is headed uh down downhill and will uh, that will only accelerate unless it takes a more strategic view of what it should look like. Yeah, I suppose Chester would be worried that they're going to be shunted about in terms of timing. Um, but if you get a decent summer's day, and a lot of those races are in the meat of the summer into July and, and August, you should be able to be reasonably flexible, I would have thought, with your with your timing. And then if you box clever and and spaceship races out the right way you it's not impossible you could end up with some network television coverage but you, you're going to have to be aiming up a little bit in terms of the quality of racing you're putting on there is an opportunity here and i don't think it's not helpful for a number of race courses to sort of cry foul and and, and the way that chester put it i don't feel has been intemperate but some of the comments have been in response to you know the early news about the the strategy we haven't seen the whole of it and uh, i i think that everyone needs to accept that where we are at the moment and where we are headed is not good enough you know we if we want to um to to have managed decline well at the moment we've got unmanaged decline um and so I think I think that uh, collectively the sport has got to take a, a more long term view and accept that there might be some individual elements of pain. Onwards to Ireland, Charles Burns has found himself uh, in the in the crosshairs of the of the stewards again. What's he done this time? Uh, right. Okay. So he has been fined six thousand euros. A horse of his trained by him, Elat, has been banned for 90 days. And a £5 claiming rider, Gerard Bruder, has been given a 21-day ban under Rule 212A Little 1, which is basically running or riding deliberately or recklessly causing or permitting a horse to be run other than on its merits. And also the betting patterns around Elat in the uh, 14 furlong handicap at Goran on Wednesday have been referred for further investigation. And um, the stewards had both the train and the rider in um bruder said that mentioned a couple of times that the horse had made a noise and that he hung right and said that he was leg weary at the end and, dis, and he had dismounted and walked back 
Um, in the race itself, he was drawn widest, switched towards the inside, um, but seemed to be travelling easily and uh, in the uh, straight. Uh, gave very much gave the impression that he could be far more in involved than he um, actually was, and that's what the stewards concluded was the case. Um, now, the there's a, there's a, there was an interesting thing here, which is that that Charles Burns was asked whether he was happy with the ride and. Mm -hmm his initial comment was that he wasn't, which quite often in these cases has absolved the trainer of some sort of responsibility. So what's different here? Well, that's trainer move 101, though, isn't it? Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, it's particularly distasteful when it involves an apprentice or conditional rider, in my view, because who 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 does it, would anyone imagine, um, you know, that, that a young person trying to start out um, in the industry and and do well, they are going to be trying trying to 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 ride to the best of what they've been asked to do, and I, I find it distasteful when uh, apprentices and conditionals by any trainer are are essentially thrown under the bus in the stewards' inquiry because a, a running and riding issue has come up. Um, the, I, the two things are sort of linked. So I was going to mention that that Bruder. Um, was it was put to the stewards that his man had taken some time to pull up after the race. And if you have a look on the Racing TV website or the Racing Post website where you can see the pictures, you can see that that is the case, that the horse had continued galloping until after the mile start. Bruder's asked by the stewards why he didn't pull up his mount during the race despite making a noise. And he said he was happy to continue because the horse had made a noise previously. Now, the report adds, um, open quotes, Charles Burns confirmed the instructions given and referred to his charges wind issues he said he was disappointed with the ride given and referred to it as not pretty viewing but asked if he felt the rider should have pulled his charged up he stated that the rider was correct not to pull the animal up and referred to it as being only a low rated animal on further questioning, when asked if he felt the animal was prevented from running on his mer its merits, he was satisfied that this had not occurred. The race day stewards also received a report from the Irish Horse Racing Regulatory Board veterinary officer who stated that Alart was coughing post-race, but was otherwise post-race normal. Now, the same horse was subject to a running and ride inquiry on his previous start at Goran when he finished fifth on the 19th of April. And again, in the evidence, a noise was mentioned. Um, so as essentially, the stewards took the view that they that they they felt that Charles Burns had responsibility for the way in which this this horse was ridden. I also feel like, you know, how to make a bad situation worse. The language that Charles Burns has used here just just does not um paint racing in a in a good light. Um, the whole concept of continuing to race a horse that has got a known breathing issue, but then saying it doesn't really matter, you know, animals of the, a low rated animal who is having breathing issues doesn't need to be pulled up. Oh, the inference being that a better horse would would be better cared for during a race and by uh, a, tr a trainer that, than a lower rated animal. I mean, this is this is this is the kind of thing that brings racing into disrepute. I mean, it's it is bad enough uh, that this that you fall foul of the the running and riding rules that uh, uh that for punters it calls into question the probity of horse racing and it is infinitely worse than to talk about animals in a way that implies that the lesser ones are completely expendable all it says is that race that 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 racing plays into hands of those people who think that's exactly what racing does that they see horses as completely expendable and that trainers and riders don't actually care about them i, I mean honestly this this the whole conduct of this couldn't really be much worse
All right, Lydia. Uh, Marwan Kukash, who for so long saw his colours carried to, to victory um, time after time after time, particularly at Chester's May Festival, and then a big Saturday handicaps through the summer. They were his sort of big speciality. He uh, was declared bankrupt last year. I mean, this has only recently come to light on the eve of, of Chester's May Festival, presumably people realising he didn't have any runners. Um I, I, I certainly don't want to revel in somebody's financial misfortune by any stretch of the imagination. But are, are there any um, sort of implications that the, the sport needs to be aware of here? Um, well, in terms of, I mean, the delay for you mentioned the, the fact that this was declared in September and this has only really come to light now. I mean, quite often it involves the regulator, the British Horse Racing Authority, working with the administrators to work through the process of those people who might be dependent. As I understand it, um, Marin Kukash owned Patrick Morris's yard, for for example, for example, um, and there were, obviously had a number of horses at the yard as well. And in terms of sort of horse welfare and the stability of people who are reliant on the person who's been declared bankrupt, there is a process that the sports regulator has to work through with the administrators. Um, to, to and a, a, There is a sort of a transition process. And this is what has been followed through, as I understand it, by the BHA. Um, it's interesting in terms of, you know, when what happens in the future. And uh, I was asking... Um, the BHA about what happens if someone you know gets their life back on track and um, is able to or wishes to reapply as a as a racehorse owner in some years later on. Um, that that would immediately have a flag on the the BHA's system. But in order to uh, become an owner, and there's been a lot of focus on the fit and proper um, purpose test and. Um, uh, person test rather and, and whether it, it is robust enough but one of the things that happens when you apply to be an owner is that you give the BHA permission to have a look at your um, bank accounts essentially and if it's a business entity they'll be interested in your business plan and the turnover and if uh, you're um, applying as an individual as an owner you'd have to show that you are, have got sufficient funds in your bank account for the kind of operation that you're going to run um, and Clearly, there there can be aggravating factors if reapplying. If you have, um, if there has been, and I'm I'm completely disconnecting this. This is a matter of principle. I'm not talking about the individual case here. But you know, if there were um, cases whereby there had been uh, elements that were hidden to the regulator, the BHA, or there had been some sort of fraudulent element, element essentially aggravating factors that would have an impact on whether they would allow you to have a license again in future. It also has to be proportionate. So therefore, if somebody was declared bankrupt. I don't know, 20 years ago and came uh, and wished to be an owner and had shown themselves to be solvent for a very long period of time, it would be less justifiable to say that, no, that you're not a fit and proper person to be able to take a licence than it would be if something had happened more recently and that the events were were um, were more um, difficult. Um, there were exacerbating factors that had to be taken into account that, that, that were more recent. Well, big Goffs UK sales around the corner. The traditional store sale, spring store sale, taking place Monday, Tuesday, 22nd, 23rd of May. And then the horses in training and the point of pointers uh, the following two days, Wednesday, the 24th, Thursday, the 25th of May. Goffs UK's managing director, Tim Kent, joins me now. Uh, Tim, this year, four days of, of sales. Let's talk about the, the store sales first. What, what really characterises this sale for you? Yeah, so store sales takes place on the first two days, the Monday and Tuesday, and um, 
we, we, we've had some great success from 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 these stores. We we know that the the, the vendors both in, from the UK and Ireland have given us a, a wonderful bunch of stores this year, and they're the only stores that are eligible for the for the hundred thousand pounds spring sale bumper at Newbury, uh, the world's richest bumper as it is. And you know the graduates out there are really what speaks for itself. Um, you know the, the 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 cover photograph on the on the front of the catalogue this year is a fantastic example of what can be bought. You wear it well. Uh, it was bought by uh, Matt Colm and trained by uh, Jamie Snowden, winning at the Cheltenham Festival. A wonderful photograph of Gavin Sheehan coming into the to, to the winners' enclosure there. So, yeah, there's been some fantastic race course results, some fan- fantastic pin hooking results for for the point of point lads. So there's some there's some really exciting horses. Bernard Condon, who you know, uh, him and Katie Anderson have been out recently and um, filming some of the horses in advance of the sale, and they've come back very bullish with what they've seen. So. Um, we're getting very excited about what might turn up in in in, Dogstra in, a, in, a, in, a, in ten days' time. Okay, and anything in particular that that really catches the eye? What are you what are you sort of um, leading your your publicity with in terms of pedigree? Uh, I think it'd be wrong to pick out one, but I, you <laughs> I know, thought you might say if, that. If you pick out the, the leading stallions, the, the the walk in the parks, the blue, blue blue Brazils and the like, there are plenty of those. And you know, we've made a big thing this year with with um, with working with a lot of the UK breeders to to try and get some of the best UK stock to sell within within the UK. And um, you know, you're you're on the TBN Hunt committee as, as as well as me, and being to, to people like. Um, Liz Lucas and um, the Astons at Goldford Stud, Millhouse Stud, the Chugs. Um, Bernard was there yesterday, but, uh, and Bernard's come out very bullish about about the horses he's seen at all those places. So it's 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 really exciting to to think that there is a fantastic bunch of horses there. To pick out one might be, get me into a bit of trouble, but um, yeah, with, it'll, it'll be it'll be wonderful to see what's there on the day. Uh, and it's a bit easier to identify horses in training that might that might catch the eye because we we know all about them and and you usually feature some some pretty notable names. Yeah, there are some there are some notable names. There are some. So the the first day is is the point of point day, the young horse day, uh, and there are some there are already some exciting horses in there. And then we'll, we'll be taking supplementary entries for for that session up in up until the week of the sale. So we're expecting more horses to come in this week, and the point of point lads are saying the right thing in that respect. So if they get the results, then then that day will be bolstered uh, within the next. Uh, 10 days and also the, the, the second day is more of a sort of big dispersal day uh, for, for a lot of the leading trainers and on top of that we've got the million in mind dispersal which is also always an annual highlight we've got um uh, 25 horses from from Walters Plant Hire Di Walters and, and his team are, uh, are offering 25 horses. Mike Gretsch has got a small dispersal in there, but then there's there's over 20 horses from Gordon Elliott. There's 15 or so from from uh, Dan Skelton. Nicky Henderson's got a lord, large number. Paul Nichols a large number. So there are some there are some exciting horses in there that, that will suit any any budget, uh, a, any aim, whether that's to win on a Saturday or a midweek or, or even in the point of point field. So there's something for everyone on on, on that Thursday. And um, yeah, the, the, the numbers are better. The quality is up from where it's been before. We're, we're, we're really, really excited to get going. All right. Thanks to Tim. Thanks to all my guests earlier in the show. Lydia is still with me. Lydia, news just coming through from Ascot that the race formerly known as the Cork and Orrery, subsequently the Golden Jubilee, subsequently the Diamond Jubilee, subsequently the Platinum Jubilee, that has been renamed. What have they gone for? They've gone for the Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee Stakes. And hopefully 
well, hopefully that will be, you know, a a lasting name for the race because, as you say, I think it has rather suffered from repeated renaming. And I've under, understood why that was the case. In each case, they wanted to celebrate some new marker, but this is the way that they would look, wish to lastingly remember Her Late Majesty Queen Elizabeth II via this Group One on the last day of Royal Ascot. Okay, so that is the big six furlong Group One sprint, which is now going to be called the Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee Stakes. Second day of Chester today. Are you suitably put off by conditions to have a bet there, or are you are you still braving the sodden Rudy? I'm braving the sodden Rudy, but I am waiting a day, if you don't mind. Mm. Um, I'm going to Friday uh, for the second race, the 10 and a half furlong handicap, the precision facades handicap. And it's savvy victory that I'm interested in um, for Sean Woods and Ryan Moore. I think this is a horse that can find further progress um, as a four-year-old. Uh, I think there was more, he had more to give towards the back end of his three-year-old season. He does handle um, some cut in the ground. Um, so I think he should be suited by conditions and he can uh, move forward this season. So that's savvy victory in the 205 at Chester on Friday. Lydia, thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. That was Thursday, May the 11th. We'll be back to do it again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.